everybody, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where we seek to broaden our cinematic horizons. I'm your host, or uh, I guess captain for this episode, Scott Murray. I'm joined by my faithful operator, Joel Lewis. Howdy. And our two crack assassins, Tim Gerard. Hi. And Zeke Perez. I like it. Hi. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that worked. All right. I like it. Hi it needs to be your opening for everyone. I like it. Hi. Better those, than you, Adrian. <laughs> for those of you unfamiliar, Movie Mumble is a monthly, basically, book club with movies. Uh, where four friends take turns picking a movie, getting together, watching it together, and then talking about it. And it's just that simple. We can pick any film we want, foreign, domestic, new, old, animated, live action, etc. Uh, we don't withhold spoilers about anything we discuss, so if you're worried about that, please watch the film before you listen to its episode. And uh, yeah, it's sort of just based on the idea that we get more out of cinema when we share it with people whose company we enjoy. So thanks to all three of you for joining me again. Ooh. And thank you, listeners, for joining us as well. At the end of each episode, we'll announce what we're watching next month, so you can sort of watch along with us if you'd like. Or, you know, not. It's up to you, I guess. <laughs> it is really all about choice in the end. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Ham-fisted, that was. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this month, Tim was our movie selector. Guess what he picked. <laughs> Guess what. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, why don't you uh, introduce your film for us? Okay, so I picked The Matrix Reloaded. Which is the second one, for those right. of you who got confused like me. <laughs> That's right, right, yeah. So the Matrix loaded. 2, um, loaded again. Um, <laughs> yeah, after we had done our, our favorites, um, I think I mentioned this last time, where you know um, many people sort of look at the first Matrix and they're like, oh, it was great, and then the sequels were kind of meh, and like you know i kind of view it two different ways where like the one is as a standalone thing but then the trilogy is kind of a whole different journey um and i also feel like there were maybe some people who saw the second one and kind of didn't like it and didn't bother with the third one and i feel like it you do kind of have to round it out with the end um you know not necessarily to say like you will like the third one but um you know but yeah but it it, 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 it does make yeah that. like you can watch the first one and stop and never see the sequels and i feel like you will get this complete story but if you do one and two and then stop it's kind of like yeah i mean especially because it's just like right in the middle you know um so i figured yeah why not with this pick and then my next pick will be will be uh, revolutions to kind of feel oh that's right we're not supposed to say um, so so yeah just as i i wanted to round out the trilogy and kind of bring that and have uh you know complete that and, and get sort of like the the different perspectives on you know how to look at each film individually but i also feel like after we watch revolutions there will be a lot of talk of the trilogy as a whole um, as well as, well, one of the things I also want to do in this podcast, which is, you know, not really related, but related, is I finally saw John Wick 1, 2, and 3, and John Wick 4 and Matrix 4 are coming out soon, so there, I definitely have a lot of things to say about those as well. Um, so, so yeah, so I just figured it was, you know, it was it was time. It was time to, to finish the trilogy. And... So, Tim, what was the plot of this film? Oh, that's right. I have to say that. Okay. Yeah, the selector so, has to summarize. That's now. right. Okay. So, so here's the thing I want to touch on, and so what had happened I'm, was, <laughs> yeah. So I I don't want to give spoilers about the third one, but there are certain things that I feel like do, uh, in, in a vague sort of way. Um, one of the things I had read, and I think it was the Wachowskis that had actually said this, was that the first Matrix was about birth, 
this Matrix Reloaded is about life and Matrix Revolutions is about death. <clears throat> and I feel like that does kind of help to to summarize this one. Um, because it's it's sort of, you know, we, we, we end the first Matrix with, oh yeah, Neo's a badass, he's going to save the world. And then this one kind of starts with, okay, there's this bigger threat coming, you know, we've been... Um, you know, Morpheus at one point is saying how, you know, we've we've unplugged more people in the last six months than in the six years prior to that, like like something is happening. So you're getting this sense that that, that things are amping up, um, you know, and they find out they got a, a, a transmission or message. And this was actually something in one of the Animatrix films, which I think I mentioned at the end of the last podcast. Final like the, the Osiris. Yeah, exactly, right? where they're the ones who, who like, see all of these sentinels digging into the ground and then they're racing to try to send a message and i guess what they do is they have like you know kind of like um like dropbox type things in the matrix where they can leave something for someone else to come get um so they're racing to leave this message and it's basically one of those things where the person inside the matrix uh, you know she's running to deliver the message but at the same time that i think she's being chased by agents the their ship is also being chased by sentinels so it's kind of the thing like whether she dies in the matrix or her ship blows up like the message doesn't get delivered and of course she gets it to a mailbox i think that's what it is too it's a, a p.o box so she has to get it to like an old ass blue outdoors mailbox that she has to drop this package into and she does just in the nick of time so at the beginning of the movie we start with them getting this information about you know was it like something like a million sentinels or a hundred million some not not a hundred yeah one for every okay that's right yeah so so my pick right (laughs) (laughs) i'm bad with numbers data (laughs) right yeah so well i like how you say one for every person like it's like like, was i supposed to know how many people are in zion is that where you get this no no i know that's what they say i know it's one for every person but the number purely expositional (laughs) now i'm wondering if there's a line in the first matrix where they tell neo Oh yeah, we got about a quarter million people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, know? right. Yeah, it's like no, it's yeah, plenty. Um, so so yeah, so they're kind of dealing with, and what's really cool is, and um, it's cool, but it's also I feel like part of that falls under the life category that, um, in the first one, the Nebuchadnezzar and the crew, they're kind of almost like these superheroes, you know, like it's like yeah, we get to go in and do cool things and fight the bad guys, fight the agents. And this one, you see that they're a ship that's part of an army, so it kind of takes like some of the sheen off of that to me. Like it's yeah, it's like no, no, this isn't cool. You're you're soldiers, and that point comes up a lot in the movie where it's like they're they're soldiers in a war, so it kind of becomes less cool in a way. And they're meeting up with these other ships and. You know, you have oh, so there's someone who's in charge of all these ships. You find out, and um, you you sort of see this really cool interaction between him and Morpheus, where you know uh, Commander Locke, he's like in charge of this this army, but Morpheus is like, yeah, but I've got the Messiah on my ship, and that's all that's important. And the you know the Commander Locke like doesn't care. It's like no, it's about soldiers following orders. Like I don't care about messiahs, you know. Um, so you get this kind of interaction between the two of them and um, Neo is kind of going through this thing where he he doesn't know what he's supposed to do next you know it's like yeah I have these powers so like w- what is he supposed to do just run like fly around unplugging everybody like he, you know the the people are still in the matrix like they haven't spontaneously woken up and yeah. left the matrix and the machines haven't died or anything because he's found out that he's the one so what, what does he do um 
aside from just continuing this fight. So they, they're waiting to hear from the Oracle so he can kind of know what to do. So finally they get this message from the Oracle um, and they're going to go see her. But also in the meantime, as they're getting that message, um, we, we see that Agent Smith is back somehow. And not only that, but there's like two of him at first. And then um, we see him sort of copy himself onto a person who is in Zion. And so his, he, Smith copies himself onto the, his avatar. And then when he goes back into, you know, his consciousness goes back from the Matrix into his body, he basically takes Agent Smith with him. Um, so now Agent Smith has, like, infiltrated the real world in a sense. Um, so, yeah, so there's all these little things that are kind of said. We don't really get to see that come to fruition in this film uh but it's it's definitely like spooky and you're kind of seeing that like you know i i feel like you know we're we're kind of blurring the lines between like okay this is how the matrix operates but this is how the real world operates and now we kind of see these things from the matrix kind of bleeding into the real world um so so where are we now okay doing too many details here. He received a message from so, the Oracle. Yeah, so it was, okay, so Neo goes to see the Oracle, and she kind of does the same sort of thing again, where she just kind of mind fucks him, <laughs> and you can't really tell if what she's telling him is the truth, and, and this was actually interesting, too, too, I don't know if I talked about this, probably in the first one, but the, the idea of, of Oracles, and I remember, you know, for a while, like, um, you know, there are lots of things like tarot cards and magic eight balls and all this stuff that we can kind of, that the people will try to draw answers from and you know at one point I kind of I figured if I read it somewhere or I kind of realized it and that you know the matrix definitely helped with that perspective that like all an oracle is it's it's nothing really magical it's something for you to kind of be able to project your subconscious on like this thing where okay I know the answer but I can't trust myself enough to say it but if I'm looking at a deck of cards and oh well, that three and that eight that must mean this and this and, and it, it sort of opens the door for you to be able to dump out your subconscious and that's kind of what she does is she kind of I mean it's a little bit more specific in this where she kind of uh, tells him something because she knows he's struggling with his belief and tells him something to kind of push him to make a decision um, and in this one, it's you know he's telling. Oh yeah, he's also been having dreams that he sees Trinity die. Prophetic dreams. Yeah, his you know, own, yeah, right. You know, and it's like that's the thing is like he doesn't know how much to trust these. You know, he's kind of new to these powers, and this power in and of itself is also a new power on top of future sight. You know, coming to your own brain, no oracle plugin required. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So in addition to be able to, like stop bullets and fly, now it's like oh yeah, you're gonna maybe see the future, or maybe it's my own fear, or you know whatever. So she kind of confirms that yes you're seeing outside of time now and this this and that and you know telling him that um you know it's not about him making the decision because he's already made the decision he had, he's there to understand why he made the decision which um which i which i think is really cool it's one of those sort of lines that's a little bit uh it can be confusing on on some levels and i remember you know kind of one time sort of reading the perspective that like you know before I guess the varying levels of, you know, uh, what you believe is sort of beyond this life. You know, if you're completely like, oh, dead, you're dead in the ground. But then other perspectives like where if there is a soul that basically your soul makes all of its choices before it even enters the body and then goes into the body to kind of live, the, to kind of forget those choices and live through. Like it's basically so you're already on a path, but it's a path that you chose, which I feel like is a really elegant way of dealing with the idea of fate versus free will. 
that it's not like there's some god kind of standing there being like, no, I'm going to push you into these things because I control all the pieces on the board and they're, it's illusion. It, you know, it's it's the fact that it's sort of you before you entered your body making these choices. So you have made the choices and that's why you are where you are at certain times. So, so um, she gives him a mind fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like the, you're doing to us right. at the moment. Uh, but she also tells him almost exactly what he needs to do. Well, right, when she gives him the information about going to see the Merovingian, mm-hmm. and that's actually interesting, too, like how you said exactly what he needs to do, because well, they... The name is so close to MacGuffin, it hurts. You mentioned Neo's, like, what, what do I do now that I'm the same? She basically tells him, right. you need the Keymaster. He's yeah. with this evil dude, Merovingian. Right. Oh, okay. and, <laughs> and what I love about that, though, it is, a, it is another example of, like, at the end of that interaction, or the initial interaction, like, they think they fucked up somehow. Like, he just basically sent us packing. We don't have the key maker. What what are we supposed to do? But you find out sort of the reason the the oracle said be here at this time was because he made some cake, which made some girl have an orgasm and have to go to the bathroom. And then when he went and got a blowjob from her, which pissed off his wife. So it's like this whole thing. And then she wants to get back at him. And then she's like, I'll give you the key maker. So it's like, oh, okay, good. Like, this is why we were here at this time. Um, oh, and I totally fixed, skipped over the whole... 100 Agent Smiths fight that happens where he's just, it's one Neo More. you know, versus, More. yeah, just all the Agent Smiths, More. well not all of Me. them you will Me see too. all of the Me Agent too. Smiths later Maybe three. Um, yeah, it's like a Dr. Seuss book one Smith two Smith Red Smith plus man that's good <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the uh, oh. other story analog to this right it's, yeah. it's basically one fish two fish yeah yeah that's fish. yeah yeah that's mm. if he would have described it that's that way. <laughs> all the way down <laughs> yeah, you have uh, mm. um so so yeah so neo fights uh, a billion neo yeah billion smiths um so they kind of have it yeah after then they get the key maker and that's this other whole cool battle scene where there's a battle in the chateau and then there's this amazing highway race um, where they're trying to get the keymaker um, to safety, like they never, they can't bring him out of the matrix. He's not a, a, a person; he's a program. So, so that's sort of the thing. Is normally, you know, the people who are in Zion and then plug into the matrix, you kind of get to your exit, and it's like, oh, we're safe, we're out of the matrix, and they and they can't even do that here, which I feel like is a a level of the the threat that kind of doesn't really become apparent they kind of gloss over that like when it goes from that okay now we're on to the next thing and we're going to do all this stuff and we're listening but it's like you know they're still like just in the matrix like kind of exposed um so yeah and it's this great moment of all these things again coming together neo kind of getting there just in time to like grab them out of the sky as these two mac trucks crash into each other um so so the key maker tells them this plan and this is I'll admit this is kind of my least favorite part of the movie where it's like we have these three captains and we got to do these three things and we got to shut down a power plant and it, it just it seemed a little like Mission Impossible but like light and um, probably the coolest part about this another sort of add on to this is uh, if you've ever played the game Enter the Matrix uh, which was really cool where you get to play as uh, Niobe and Ghost and you actually one of the levels is you having to get in to set the bombs to blow up the power station um so that was pretty cool um and then it's also funny too because the third ship is kind of like who who are these people you know and you do get vague little things where 
one of the things I noticed, I think I might have only caught, I mean, I've probably caught it before, but it definitely stuck out to me where um, after Morpheus gives his big speech to Zion about, yeah, we're not afraid, this and that, there's one of the captains who kind of like shakes his hand, like, oh, that was a good speech, where you kind of feel like everyone's kind of like, yeah, we don't know what to think about Morpheus. He's kind of nuts. He kind of has these weird ideas. But this one guy was like, yeah, that's cool. So when they asked for a volunteer for uh, a captain to take their ship and go try to find the Nebuchadnezzar, he's like the first one to volunteer. Um, you know, and it's cool that you get to see like, oh, that's why. Like, he's kind of down with what Morpheus has to say. But then his whole ship dies. And that's why. Oh, and this is the other perfect part of this is that. So so Neo decides he's like, no, I don't want my dream to come true. I don't want there to be a chance for Trinity for this for this future to happen. So when they're going to do this, he makes her promise to stay out of the Matrix, which she she does promise to stay out of the Matrix. But then when that other ship dies, like the only way for them to kind of for this plan to go off flawlessly is she has to go into the Matrix. And it, it creates the very scene that he was trying to avoid. It's like the very definition of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, you know, his action Again, what he thought was against it was actually what caused it, and I like I, I love that part of it, and I love that it's it's also part of like what had to happen. And again, like you kind of see that bit of you know is that what the oracle was really pushing him to do? Like I feel like he thought she was trying to get him to be okay with choosing to let Trinity die, and since he couldn't, he chose to do whatever he could do to try to avoid it, which like I said ended up being the very thing that made it happen. So again, like I feel like if the Oracle was like, yeah, you can, you can choose to save her. He probably would have wouldn't have had the fear and wouldn't have been like, I need you to stay out of the Matrix. I can't let this happen. Um, but the fact that you know, and that's the thing too, is she never, she never even says you have to choose to let her die. She says you've already made the choice. But I think he takes it in this sort of doom and gloom sort of way being like almost implying that he's made the choice to let her die when in fact the oracle is referring to no you made the choice to let her live but you know so again she didn't really like mislead him it's almost kind of playing with his his own his own emotions and kind of knowing how he operates um so he gets in and gets to meet the architect who is basically like the god of the matrix and the god um, of expositional dialogue. yeah yeah right <laughs> oh my god <laughs> So just, oh, it's just it's just talking for so long, oh. and oh, it, what's wonderful too is they did. I think it was like the was it the MTV Movie Awards where they did a spoof on that yes. with um yeah with yeah. Justin Timberlake mm -hmm. and they do a part Which where Will Farrell plays yeah. the architect. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever get a chance to watch that, it's great. I think it's on the it's in the special features on this. Yeah. Um. So so yeah so we yes we get all of this exposition kind of he basically just explains. This is everything you thought. This is what's wrong. This is what it really is. This is what you're supposed to do. You know, um, we, we do get a little bit of a callback to kind of like Agent Smith doing the whole virus thing at the end of the first Matrix where it's like, you know, some believe that like, you know, they, they first tried to make the Matrix a utopia, but it crashed because humans needed suffering. So they're kind of like touching on that where he, you know, it's kind of modeled after, okay, this is what you this is the world you humans created so this is the matrix we're going to create for you so you'll accept the programming and um you see that the idea is this uh but but you know part of it is also the idea of choice is that if if the humans didn't have a choice that like they kind of crashed like they couldn't accept the programming so they had to give them this sense this little you know tingle in the back of your mind that hey if you want to choose to get out of this you can you know so that's sort of 
in everybody and whether people choose to act on it or not you know is what kind of at least keeps the the program running but then because of that because people can choose to leave that means zion is going to grow and grow and grow until the point where they would be big enough to take over the machines so that's why once every hundred years or so the machines come in and kill everybody in zion and this is where the big twist of the movie happens where neo finds out that hey you're not some superhero like we machines built this into you like you are supposed to do this you're supposed to have these powers you're supposed to come here and then sort of launch into you know and 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 you find out that you know neo it's not he's not the second coming he's actually the sixth coming there are five ones before him and this is a cycle that's been happening and you know so again like not only is he struggling with i don't know what to do it's like oh yeah you're basically a plant from the machines like you're 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 part machine you're a part of this system of control you like you have you know you thought you had a choice but it's it's not this is all so but because he was in love with trinity and you know there's this choice of you can go through this door and save trinity or you can go through that door and save the whole rest of humanity and he's like fuck those guys i don't know those guys i'm gonna go save my woman which by the way is what i would do too nothing personal <laughs> guys but <laughs> so did she he... listen to the podcast <laughs> no <laughs> it doesn't matter why you suck your dick on the podcast <laughs> um so, so he ends up saving Trinity, and we, as we're seeing the scene from his dream play out, he comes in in the nick of time, just like blowing through, causing all this destruction in his wake, Carnado. and catches her. Yeah, Carnado. Yeah, uh, yeah. Scott came up with the idea we're gonna we're gonna make a film Carnado with Keanu Reeves, where he just mm-hmm. you know sucks the Carnado out to the ocean, and and my I, 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 I think he should yeah he should punch yeah. every car, <laughs> and every time he hits it's it, you know the horn has to honk a little bit. <laughs> 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 franchise right cars keanu crossover yeah um okay we're almost at the end so so he saves her she comes back to life it's this sort of you know very very touching thing you you know you see this kind of love conquers all moment but then you get the aftermath of that and they're all kind of on the ship like well wait a minute i thought you did what you're you know morpheus is like neo you did what you're supposed to do like why why, yeah why hasn't the war been over and neo's like about that uh this guy (laughs) told me that that's all bullshit so your life has been a lie oh cool and i still don't know what the fuck i'm supposed to do now so luckily the some signals come yeah and, and blow up the the nebuchadnezzar so they all have to leave they end up getting picked up by and what's funny too is they call the ship that comes to pick them up is called the they call it the hammer but it's actually mjolnir that's like the name of the actual uh, ship but everyone calls it the hammer because they don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> so so uh, they they're, they're leaving their ship and as these sentinels are chasing them neo's like wait something's different i can feel them and he pulls his whole fucking stopping the bullets thing from the first Matrix and just fucking stops like five to seven sentinels that are charging at them. And, and which to me was like one of the most mind blowing scenes of this film. Because it's just like, you're like, yeah, I get it. He's in the Matrix. He has powers. It's a computer program. You know, again, like like you can kind of suspend the disbelief that, yeah, it's a, it's a video game. You know, I, I know how I can do crazy things in, when I play a video game. But that doesn't mean you can like affect physical matter in the real world you know so it's the it's you know so we see kind of smith doing that when he crosses into the real world now neo is kind of like able to connect with the machines and you know disrupt them and you're just like what the fuck just happened so he like passes out he's like in a coma and they end up on this ship and you know the hammer that picks them up and they're kind of you know 
the, after the dust settles, it's like, oh yeah, there was this massacre that happened because we were going to plan this attack against the Sentinels, but someone fucked off it up. Screen, which is very interesting right. to me. Yeah, there's all this, you know, it's it's which which to be fair, like no, I'm I, happy with it. Yeah, like, it's something that would not be done now. Yeah, like I really like the like things can happen off screen. Right. Yeah. And guess who's at the center of it? Right. Yeah. Is is Bane the guy who Agent Smith has worked his way into? So we see sort of Neo and and you know the Agent Smith in the real world like laying on medical tables head to head, and that's where we get our to be continued. So it's like okay, concluded. we've yeah to be oh, you're right sorry <laughs> to be concluded to be concluded in 2020. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna jump in here and talk about first impressions. <sighs> yes. Let's so wait, wait. Let's go over who who has and hasn't seen it. I had it. seen it. You had seen it. I've seen, seen it. it. And Scott, you said you've seen about the first half of it. And having seen the whole thing now in one sitting for the first time, I can tell you that I had pieced in pieces. Okay. Eventually, seen the whole thing. Gotcha. Like I remembered yeah. some bits. Okay. Never one sit through until now. Gotcha. Okay. So and never any minute of the third. Okay, so that'll be cool. So initially, like, I watched this one most frequently. Mm -hmm. I feel like we had this on DVD and watched all of the special features and watched it over and over again. So initially, when I saw it, it's like, they upped the kung fu. It's, like, a little bit louder, a little bit worse. Like, it's great. Like, it's it's a lot of fun. The CGI was fun at the time. Watching it through this time, it felt very, like, it's obviously the Matrix, so you gotta mm -hmm. let the, the, the CGI go a little bit because it feels like a computer game because it is a computer game. Um... Plot point, real quick. Neo, when the architect is talking to Neo, I thought it was the f that it wasn't a glitch that they built into Neo. It was that there was an anomaly within humanity that point zero 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 one percent of humans would be the one, and they built everything around that. Not that they said that they built into him the desire to be the one. Right. I feel like yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. I think I was a little, uh, yeah, maybe more generous with that. But but basically, like, it's it's a part of the program, I guess. That they, yeah, they may not have done it on purpose, but they built but, it around this right, and it's something that they know about and they're prepared right. for. It's not like oh, who's this guy who can do all these magic see, things. It's like yeah, we know. Okay, I, go do your thing. See, and I always read that scene as ambiguous. I felt like the architect was like, oh shit, what do we do with this guy? Well, let's convince him it's happened before, and we'll oh, try okay. this. And then, so, like, when... And the other thing that's kind of frustrating about this is, like, when Neo goes outside and can do Matrix-y things, he never thinks that he's in another Matrix. That doesn't like enter into... Like, when he goes out and can feel the Sentinels... Right. ...and do Neo things, mm -hmm. he's not like, am I in another Matrix? Right. Because I feel like that's how you would deal with somebody who, like, is cracking your system. Mm -hmm. Is like, okay, let's isolate that shit and put him over here. Right. Like, that that was something that always like like at the more and more I watched it that bothered me more and more. Um but I do like this film. It's like this is where you really get the sense that the Wachowskis wanted robots versus karate and that's exactly what this delivers on like double down. I mm -hmm. love it so much for that. Um and then oh, just had to say the the evil theme part of the score that is revealed before you see the top of Bane's head. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like, hey, we've shown you get this guy twice, and you don't really remember that he's the guy that spits right. in his head, so we have to give you this little musical cue to remind you, hey, this is right. the evil guy. <laughs> Just, 
I don't know. Watching it this time, it felt very written to me. And I was seeing, like, kind of behind the scenes. I don't know if that's just a product of me having watched the behind the scenes a million times. <laughs> like, the the uh, highway chase felt very, like, I knew, remember that was just in a loop. Because mm-hmm. you see the city, it's very walled off. You see none of the city. It's just this tunnel of a mm-hmm. <laughs> highway. So, so I was just seeing those exist. A bit. Yeah. And I don't know of any one stretch that's necessarily long enough to encapsulate that mm-hmm. but well, they, build they get one for pretty damn well yeah. I mean like those exist in your life and they get pretty damn long mm-hmm. if not quite that long and it's the type of thing that if you said to me they had filmed in LA ah, I would like absolutely have believed you and mm-hmm. I, I except thought, for the lack of traffic right. <laughs> and I would have thought that they reused like maybe only were like a hundred yards short you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to like actually needing a tunnel because there are definite sections where you can't see anything except mm-hmm. freeway and lots of them, and sometimes very long. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's like it's also like because it's a cliffhanger. It was like, oh shit, what's gonna happen? Like, as I I remember the first time realizing that like Smith was outside. Mm-hmm. Fuck, what are we gonna do? Like that was that was really scary. Like you said, I I that, and I'm wanting to watch the third one though. I don't like the third one because I want to get like I forget more of the third one because I have I've seen it the least. That was kind of my first impressions in, on this viewing. If somebody else wants to, go ahead, Steve. speak. Sure. Um, I don't. So I, th- I think this is just my second viewing. Oh wow! But it's interesting because so I remember the hype around it. I remember a specific group of friends. We were hyped up when saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Very vividly remember going to the theater. I remember the big pu- bucket of popcorn and <laughs> like it was refillable and just the hype of being there. And then I don't at all remember, like, the first third or half of the movie. But once they get to the restaurant and he does the little bullet, you know, bullet time stops mm-hmm. the bullets there, I remember absolutely everything from then on mm-hmm. extremely vividly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that's about, but I have definitely seen it before. And I remember a good half of it. But it, So it was great to see again. It was great to revisit and, you know, get back into the world building and the mindset. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was fun to, fun to watch again. And... Um, I'm glad you brought up Enter the Matrix because I loved the shit out of that mm-hmm. game. That was so, so cool. fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed Can going back play? to it. Is it like on Steam? Um, I mean, I have it, I think. GOG, maybe. Yeah, oh. I have it, I think. I, I had it originally, I think, on GameCube, which I have a Wii, and you can play GameCube games ah. on the Wii. So I think that's how, if I was going to play it, that's how I would play it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I feel like my computer can still run that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with this as my first complete viewing in chronological order. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I liked it. I can mm-hmm. say I liked it, but I I sort of feel like I agree with Joel Lindsay about a. I keep forgetting that the film doesn't start with the Smith fight in the park and the Oracle visit. Right, right. right. Like, I keep thinking there's like maybe ten minutes before that of mm-hmm. they do their Matrix thing, they have their little meeting, they talk about the war, and they go out to find the Oracle. Like done. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's quick and it's not right yeah it um, does take so long. i'm in zeke's boat there yeah. about there's a lot more beginning <laughs> than i thought it's not yeah. boring <laughs> or anything i don't know that's, no. that's yeah. it was interesting that's just where the film comes alive yeah. you know he gets yeah. his right. moment and when then, was the sorry to cut you yeah, off when was the release date for this one and the first one and the third one <laughs> if i can get all of that information <laughs> i think now. well the first one was 1999 i believe okay Buffer. and then i forget yeah and i, I want to say like maybe 2005 okay and I, or maybe 2005 I think they were six months apart so I don't know okay. I can't remember if it was like end of 2005 beginning of 2006 like something along those okay. lines so it was Matrix and then 
good stretch of time and then reloaded revolutions kind of almost back to back yeah gotcha. yeah i think i think that was exactly like they planned like we are going to release these six months apart we're not going to be like here's one now wait five years for the other one you know yeah they're both in 2003 okay so, oh so first one, one was 1999 yeah okay. okay so 2003 i mean so i think that's part of it for me is just what is a 12 year old boy excited oh, for mm-hmm. so i think that's yeah. kind of where and i still to this you know i rewatched the matrix to get ready for this and then seeing reloaded now there are definitely times where i feel like i'm not smart enough to be watching this so i feel <laughs> i feel like maybe that first chunk of the movie is just very smart things and then once they start punching and stopping bullets then i'm on board and then i can understand it so maybe i still have that in common with 12 year old me i don't know maybe that's why that's so vivid anyway that's 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 where the the plot actually begins you know he gets his mission if you will from Mm -hmm. the oracle and the entire rest of the film revolves around that purpose Mm -hmm. so when you think about the film it's really about that purpose everything before that is set up Mm -hmm. How many times does it say purpose and choice in this movie? Right. <laughs> That's the drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reloaded drinking game. <laughs> Get loaded. Get t- yeah. there. Oh. Every time Agent oh, Smith good. throws a punch, you have to oh, drink. God. <laughs> just, <laughs> okay. Can, just take a, an IV of schnapps into your veins yeah. at the Smith fight and you're done. There you go. Film I on. love that sequence because the more you watch it, you can see that they're clearly like not CGI. They're right. just guys in bad hair pieces <laughs> and with the glasses in the background. I almost expected him when he first catches the human and clones himself into mm-hmm. the human that he leaves the Matrix with and the phone is winning. I I almost expected it's for you. Oh, <laughs> that, oh. He, oh he does God. get mustache twirly in this in the mm-hmm. best possible way like he was a great iconic intimidating villain in the previous one but in this one he just goes full ham and it's so good it's mm-hmm. so good because <laughs> it's it's like he, he gets freed and he develops a sense of humor mm-hmm. for some reason yeah <laughs> it's just great which is interesting because in this one neo is almost you could almost say he's more robotic like he you know, in the first one, he's like struggling so much with this belief, and and he's he's scared because he's like, I don't know if I'm gonna die. And in this one, everything is so like, I mean, you know, even for Keanu, very like like deadpan face, like you know, like when he whenever he's, you only see that little bit of fear when he, he sees Agent Smith. And I love this moment when when Smith works first walks up, like Neo's kind of standing at an angle, and as Smith gets hope like closer, he like takes half a step back. Which part of it you could say like, okay, he is kind of like lining up his body but he's also moving slightly away from him so you see this like apprehension but other than that it's just kind of like okay i'm flying i'm doing this okay and then when he's fighting the smiths you kind of see like oh my god like there are so many of them but so like the fight before when he's fighting those three agents and the fight when he's um oh i love that moment um, Ooh, upgrades yeah But, but yeah, and everything, like, his fighting is so much more, it's so much more like a ballet, which I remember, like, watching it the first time, and it's it's almost kind of off-putting, because I feel like in the first one, you know, he has to he has to earn his way to being that good. Even though he's, like, programmed with it, he still has to believe it in order for it to be kind of fully manifested and in- integrated, whereas with this one, like, he's past that point, and everything is just, like you know, fluid and, you know, effortless, and he's just going through the motions, and 
and especially after having just watched you know the three John Wick movies over the course of like a month, you know where every every punch and kick is so fucking brutal, and you're right. watching this, it's like oh this is pretty. And <laughs> it's know? also like rubbery because he's fighting Smith who's CGI, right. but also mm-hmm. like a robot like in a computer simulation. So it's just kind of like everything's cascading and flopping and mm-hmm. weird like the way impacts are happening. It, it's 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 also interesting to think like I was noticing how this this fight scenes were cut in this mm-hmm. like how they filmed them where it, like John Wick is all about steady cam mm-hmm. seeing the whole thing play out yeah. this this seemed a lot choppier until you get to that the uh, the courtyard fight because mm-hmm. that you you kind of see from all angles and there's yeah. just so much going on I love when Smith shows up in multiple and each one of them is delivering a different part of the line yes and the audio quality is different because of their distance from mm-hmm. it it's just oh I love that moment so much <laughs> Uh, Tim, I guess why you brought this to the podcast kind of explains itself. I guess it's the sequel to your favorite film and part Mm -hmm. two of your favorite franchise. But so instead of asking how it came into your life, because again, sequel to your favorite film, (laughs) I was waiting for it. (laughs) I want to ask, right? I I want to ask instead a bit about, I guess, the same question, but like we know how you how it gained your attention, but Mm -hmm. just tell us what your experience was like leading up to this movie and then its release, and you know when you first heard of it what you were expecting, yeah. how you felt the first time, if it's changed over the years. Yeah, were you aware of there being a... Like, how how soon after the release of the original were you aware that there was going to be a sequel? I feel like it was a little while. Um, and I don't, I don't remember exactly how long. Um, it must have been at least... I mean, it couldn't have been more than four years because, right. you know, like... Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly when, but I remember kind of just, like, at least the hype of the first one, I was just kind of riding that wave for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that's kind of interesting with, with the whole Matrix franchise, too, is that, like, like growing up, like, I always liked Star Wars, but, like, the way some of the people I know, like, loved Star Wars, like, I never had that level of, of love for it. So when this came out, I was like, oh, this is my Star Wars. Like, like Star Wars has a separate place in my life and in my childhood, but it's not, like, as this thing that it's like, yeah, like, everything I own, I want to be Star Wars. Like, and this was, the, you know, like, it, it, Star Wars never really spoke to me on that same level, whereas with this, it was just, like, kind of right what I needed at the time. Um, so I think once, they, you know, kind of it was announced, like, oh, we're doing the sequels, and here's the Animatrix, and we're going to have a video game, and it's going to be, you know, we're filming both the same time, so there is going to be a part three. Like, it was just kind of like, oh, my God, you know. And, um, oh, God, it's so long ago. And, I, I mean, I, I, I do feel, if I'm being honest, I do feel like I was maybe a little underwhelmed when I saw it. I think because... It is it is so different from the first one, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 yeah, that that ending, like you said, like with with uh, uh, Bane, I'm like, like they show, I'm like, who who the fuck is that? Right. Like I had to, I think, watch it again, be like, oh okay, it, you know, and you know, and and it was just like it wasn't, it didn't have the impact that that I thought it would. And I, I don't know if how much of it is that you're seeing him upside down, which you know, like that, I think we don't realize like how much that distorts our perception. Well, of your stuff. only visions of him are the vision of him in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Where he looks pretty different, you know, yeah. his, his residual self-image right. is yep. not actually all that similar to his outside appearance. Right. You see him once in the real world when he's got the knife. Mm-hmm. When his face is different, he's just different. The way he's standing is different. Yeah. He's 
cutting himself, which is kind of nuts, and not mm-hmm. the calm demeanor you expect from Smith or from regular Bane, for as little as we see him. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's even in Zion instead of still on his ship somewhere is never really stated, except right. for the very vague, like, oh, all the ships are back here, I guess, shrug. Right. Like, and then, the and then you meeting. never see him again. Well, no, he's in the council meeting. Yes, right, yeah. Thank you. He's in the council meeting. Yeah. Here. And then you never see him again until... Yeah. Uh, he's there. Well, because part of it, I feel like, is the whole point is they, they chose that actor because it's like, hey, you kind of look like yeah, Hugo no, Weaving and goes, can pull it yeah. off. But when he's laying there motionless on a table, like, you don't get any of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, like, well, that's the thing. like <laughs> if they had done the sabotage plot, mm-hmm. well, not that they needed an extra plot to be, but, like, if you focused on him and you knew it was Smith who set off the EMP and mm-hmm. it, he was the lone survivor for some reason, like, that whole... That would have contributed yeah. more to oh look Watching at the grand reveal the body with right. do yeah. all that would have yeah been, yeah that is my one complaint about this was like you know you you all mentioned at this point that the, there was so much ground to cover in this film and especially that at the end we start to run out of time like with the the three ships and the captains and the missions mm-hmm. we get like the briefest glimpses glimpses of the missions happening while they're being described yeah. right so yeah. we can skip like, to the end like yeah. I almost wish we'd had more of more of that and a little less of, like, the orgy, <laughs> and and, um, and even a little less of the Smith fight, like just that that had been condensed a little more or almost split into two, like one Smith fight where more start to come and Neo starts to go, all right, like, this is weird. Yeah, I'm leaving. Bye. Right. And then like the second fight is the more really all pour out and the like, yeah, sudden problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hallway like. Like why, the, yeah, the why hallway is Smith could have been. in the hallway? Like I don't, I don't yeah. he because he needed to be. Right. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing. Like it's so <laughs> written. So many of these characters, like, why am I here? Because it need to be. But like that's yeah. such a writer's thing. Like that's what I mean. Like, you could have you could have sped up some of that earlier stuff right. and left yourself a little more breathing room at the end. Because mm-hmm. it could have almost been like an Ocean's Eleven type thing at the end. Yeah, like into the thing. But like I I guess it's kind of like we know that the people who jack into the Matrix aren't good at what they do in the Matrix because they're alive. Mm-hmm. So that you don't really need to see that right. play out. I But that's... I mean. Something I really liked that they did really well is they didn't invalidate the agents as a threat. Right. Mm, Which yeah. a, lot of, a lot of lesser filmmakers, I think, would have done. You know, the, the escalation problem, right? I, the Terminator is probably my... Personally, my biggest example of that is that after I've seen Terminator 2 and etc., Terminator 1 loses a huge amount of its fear. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, I'm not afraid of the Terminator itself anymore because it's powerful and unstoppable, like I felt the first time. I'm afraid of the Terminator because our protagonists have rocks. And I'm like, well, I mean, if they could just get, like, literally anything, this would be fine. Because we've already seen that base model be underpowered and mm-hmm. underdog in film 2 and 3 and 18 and 55. And so, like, by the time you go back and rewatch 1, it doesn't quite... I mean, you know, again, they don't have anything except guns, and the guns are useless. Like, it's it's like the fear is because of the tools the protagonists have, not because of the power of the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that power got undercut. And in the first film, the agents are the power. Right. They're horrifying, right? Trinity's this badass, but all she can do with agents is run. Yeah. Morpheus stands against an agent, and he lasts about 40 seconds. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? He does really well, but he lasts about 40 seconds. You have to run. You can't fight an agent. Mm-hmm. Except Neo can because he's the one. Mm-hmm. So we get to the new one, and there's the weird ghost twins, and the, the weird Smith non-agent 8 million copies of him, mm-hmm. and oh god. And then the agents show up, and they're a bigger problem than the ghost twins. Right. The ghost twins are newer and flashier and weird, mm-hmm. but like, our humans are holding their own against them. 
they have a few drawn out hand to hand fights with Morpheus right. and Trinity just fight mm-hmm. they, they do and sometimes they win and sometimes they lose and they all work together but with the agents they can't fight you know we, we get Morpheus and the agent on top of the truck mm-hmm. and we've just seen him go toe to toe with the twins and do really well that's that whole scene in the car where you know Trinity's oh, fighting yeah. one hand so great like, and he just gets his ass handed to him again because mm-hmm. it's still an agent mm-hmm. and it's still horrifying. Yeah. It's, and they have upgrades. Right, it's <laughs> yeah. still the force to be reckoned with. And I was, that was a beautiful touch. Mm-hmm. I love how they play with the um, uh, immaterial effect, like the, with the oh, twins, with the, yeah. where it's like <laughs> Trinity's going to shoot him and he goes uh, uh, immaterial and mm-hmm. she passes through them and that's how they get out. Like She yeah. just adapts so quickly right, to it. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's like yeah. if you want to dodge these bullets, you have to become intangible, right. Right. and then I can go through you, and that's how I stay safe. You know, and like I love how they go. He's like going through the car, and then mm-hmm. he goes back into the truck, and he's like, "We are getting impatient." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but back to the question about your first impression of this when you saw it. Like, oh yeah, leading yeah. up hype. So you were a little yeah. disappointed coming <laughs> out of it. Yeah, because I think I, I don't know, like, and I I guess I don't I don't remember what I was expecting, and I think by then I've kind of like. Yeah, I've let go of what my expectations were at the time, um, and I think maybe th- maybe that was part of it. Maybe like part of what I enjoyed about the first one was that kind of journey of discovery that Neo has to go on, right. and because he's already arrived, you know, it, it is you know, and, and you know, that was kind of the point I was making at the beginning, referring to this. You know, this film is about life, you know, and you know, me kind of being at a place in my life like that, it's like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know, like, like, what do I? Someone tell me what to do now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I have, <laughs> I have these powers. I have this degree. Like, wh- what do I do? You know, I don't know. and married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, which, <laughs> which spoiler, that'll be my pick after <laughs> Matrix Revolutions. So, yeah. So it, it was kind of like, yeah, it was almost disappointing seeing Neo at the top of his game, like right off the bat. You know. And but I think but you know after I've seen it a few times it's like I think that's the point I think you're supposed to be like well yeah what now and it's like that's that's what he's feeling is what what now you know like I'm already the best at kung fu and flying what, what the fuck does that mean you know like so um, yeah and I think I remember like leaving the f- the theater with this kind of like this very like serene kind of calm where it was like okay that was the matrix and we're gonna see it and i mean i definitely saw it a bunch of times um but yeah it was definitely like and, and maybe that was just like something i built up in my mind like you know it's like it couldn't have been better than the first one you know maybe that's part of the issue um but yeah i definitely you'd be hard pressed to be better than the first matrix anyway yeah just like period it's right, such a yeah. perfect movie like yeah like it already kind of like brought you on this journey you know like i said you know of discovery of this world like with neo like not only just about his powers but about like the nature of reality so again you're going into this being like yeah i know this is all fake you know and i think that's part of why they kind of also push the envelope on all the visual stuff which i which i feel like was one of the bigger criticisms like oh it's so hollywood now the first one was so indie and grungy and this one's hollywood and it's like i think that's the point like and it's, and again this is one of the things i've mentioned without spoilers like after you see the third one the third one isn't like that and they made them at the same time so it wasn't a reaction to oh the fans hated the second one because it was too hollywood like i think that was the point to have this contrast of light and dark between two and three because i did feel sometimes that you could see the money on the screen but in a bad way yeah in a Mm -hmm. like we have this budget left over Mm -hmm. 
let's make sure it's noticeable mm-hmm. when they could have left well enough alone. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I almost feel like, too, it was supp- almost supposed to feel like you were playing a video game, you know? Right. Like, like it was, I don't think it was, you know, because with the first one, you know, again, like when they're in the Matrix, everything still feels kind of gritty and real. And, you know, and again, through Neo's eyes, it's like he's still scared. He's still, this is still, there are threats here. I could die in here. And the second one, it's like, it's brighter. It's kind of just, yeah, it's it's more like really flashy and cool. Green. Yeah. Like it's not as gritty green. It's yeah. like more of a pastel. Right. Kind of. So I, I think a lot of that was intentional to kind of just put you in this world of like, yeah, we, we, we all know this is fake. And this is just the, the world we're in. And we're going to, yeah, we're just going to kind of go all in on it. Um, and, and that's sort of the thing, you know, kind of what you said about the, like, the money. Like, when you see three, the way effects are used in three, it's like, oh, holy shit. Like, they definitely didn't put all their money in two and then run out of money for three. Mm-hmm. Because there's some incredible visual shit in three. But it's like, it's a totally different vibe, a totally different feel, and it's like I, I can't help but think that that's intentional. That like that two was like that. It see, was... and you can only you can see it in here when you see the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. That effect is great. Oh yeah. God! Like oh, I yeah. can't believe they're not real. Right, like in this, <laughs> like in the second one, and then you see that versus what's in the Matrix, and it's like okay, there there there's a definite choice there. Mm-hmm. And that that's because if if they could do that for the Sentinels and they they did the Sentinels that good in the previous one, mm-hmm. those yeah. designs are really yeah. You, and at least tactile, you're wondering you, if they'd had the money in the original, would it look with sections of it, especially the in the Matrix sections, right. look more like the second one, especially as the film goes on and you know his powers get crazier, right. you know, mm-hmm. would, as the facade falls away, would our experiences in the Matrix become more and more? cartoonish right we'll see but that was the thing is that he only really sees the matrix at the very end so i think that's also the result of it too is like in the second one he's seeing it for what it is the whole time and so are we as the audience like Mm -hmm. yeah this is a video game it's super fun but i know it's fake you know like so so yeah and and again that was only something that i kind of pieced together after having seen the third and seeing them multiple times and and like i said that comment that they made about the you know birth life and death kind of thing um, you know they they all have very different very different tones and um, I think that was a big part of it to really make that one stand out from the other two. Um, but again, I could just be reading into things which I've often been accused of. But <laughs> <laughs> Zeke, what was your favorite part? Uh, let's see. Uh, one is definitely how Agent Smith is in this one. Um, and just <laughs> cracking up with uh, uh, you know the first copy he makes. And then, uh, you know, adjust his tie, just a little subtle. <laughs> that was fun. Let me get that for you. Thanks, Nate. Yeah. I know just how you like it. <laughs> really enjoyed that. Do you think there was an Agent Smith circle jerk at any time? <laughs> that's what, that's what he was it, doing right? in the hallway before Neo showed up. How do you, how do you, it's a thing like programs apparently feel sensations, right? Right, like, yeah. That would, that's, that's not beyond the realm of possibility. Um so that and then the I mean the whole freeway fight is pretty amazing. Um, another Agent Smith situation, but when Morpheus uh, cuts his tie and then does a little bring it on sort of that was just a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like the conversation with the Oracle a lot. It's just a I don't know a little bit of a mind fuck, but a nice I don't know just a the Oracle's always very calming. Like, like yeah, I always yeah, like yeah. that. Her scenes are always 
tranquil and relaxing. Yeah. It's like a pause. It's she, like a little exactly. break. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. A, a refuge. Like in the first one, it's a little apartment. She's baking cookies. <sighs> and so Take much. a moment. In the second one, it's a not a park, but a sporting court. And there's a bench. Like, take yeah. a seat. Like, rest. I'm going to give you awful news. <laughs> while I'm bringing your world down around you, you might as well savor this moment to breathe <laughs> rest before you step back into hell. You know, She's like, an NPC. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She's a cutscene. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> but you can't skip it. <laughs> That's uh, what you Scott, what was your favorite scene? I mean, all of Smith's lines. Yeah. <laughs> His entire <laughs> script is just amazing, but... <laughs> Me too. You know, I'm I'm kind of hard pressed actually to pluck anything out mm-hmm. as as particularly. It might have been the three the three ship team at the end mm-hmm. if we hadn't skipped through it. That's definitely your <laughs> um, style of thing, though. Like that's yeah. Right, mm-hmm. I, you know, I that's Dunkirk. Like he. <laughs> right. But um. And a lot of it comes from this one. Like, I, I remember the, the Smith scene fondly, but like I said, I wish it was either shorter or broken up more. Mm. And the highway scene was always my go-to example of, like, when people say that they, you know, they, they made the two movies at the same time and in two pieces, number mm-hmm. two and three, that, like, in one, because it was a complete package, they had to balance story and action. Mm-hmm. But with two and three, they didn't have to do that within one film, and two ended up with extra helpings of action. Mm-hmm. The highway fight is the thing that immediately springs to mind when people say that. Mm-hmm. Not, it's a cu- chase into a fight into right, a chase exactly. into another fight. Yeah. So, I, I think that is the key master. He's mm-hmm. my favorite character, and everything about him is just brilliant. He's brilliant. The acted, the body language, the whole, <laughs> the whole presence, the key he hands that right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So as, instead of favorite moment, favorite thing is the key master, for gotcha. sure. The implication about him being the thing that opens doors and controls the comings and goings of the Matrix, but then being an exiled program also, right. mm-hmm. a program that they have no use for anymore, is like... Just that implication is wonderful, and the the character is of joy every moment he's on screen. So, yeah, Kidmaster. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I love how cute he's like. These are back doors, right? Like a little on the nose yeah. there. With the <laughs> yeah, they're back doors, like, Keanu. Like like when the like when the uh, Oracle gives him a cookie. <laughs> Here, take a cookie. <laughs> I didn't get that shit till right now. That's so amazing. Never mind. I'm not gonna Please track your progress. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one of the things too with um, with Enter the Matrix. Uh, did you ever play it, Scott? Because there's a, no. there's a, one of the cutscenes is it tells the story of when the Merovingian captured him and locking yeah. him in that room with no keys on the wall. Yeah. And then you see that where it's like, and it's just like, oh god, those are all the keys that he's made. He's How does that long. get out? Is, was he there because he needed to be there for Neo to pick up? Because I'm here because I must lock be. Up the guy who makes keys. Well, I mean, I think that that's you know part of the, the Merovingian wanting power. It was probably like, you know, and I think he yeah he was scheduled for deletion. It's like oh we can't have this guy running around who can get right. in and everything. It's like basically you're gonna stay in my prison because if you go outside they'll find you and delete uh, you. Yeah, so and I want gonna all take your what keys. I give you and it's so it benefited like it. yeah. him to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I never played the Matrix video games because I hadn't seen the Matrix any of the films mm-hmm. for the longest time. High school I think for the first one, mm-hmm. and. They whether it's what this was obviously part of the marketing. I guess it it worked. Was it was very clear that those games were made for the people who had seen and loved the films. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of shrugged. I was like, I 
as good as this may or may not be, I'm not going to get it. And I have so many other games I want to play. Yeah, so right. I just no, that's fair. ignored them. Yeah. And then Path of Neo came along, and that was you play through the first film. But also, like, at that point, there was a, a long history of Matrix movies, much like many movie based video games. Sorry, Matrix games. Mm-hmm. Like many movie based video games, all being kind of meh at best. And Path of Neo was, like, slightly less meh. So at that point, mm-hmm. even though that was the one I could have got into, it was like, it's like the eighth game, and it's I, it's kind of just okay. I, I sort of, I don't know. Yeah. The reviews pushed me away from that, I guess. I think I rented it once and played through it, and it was, like, kind of cool. I feel like it I was remember one of those. Yeah. All the disappointment was coming from, like, this is the first Matrix game, finally, in which you get to play as Neo. Yeah. Thank God, it's been so long. Mm-hmm the power fantasy just really wasn't as nice as I wanted it to be. Like, yeah. was, like, every review I read about that game you said that, basically, power. right? Yeah. So I, that's another reason I kind of shrugged away from the last one. Yeah. yeah. Well, the first plus, ones like, weren't for me, and the last one didn't mm-hmm. catch me. Yeah. Well, especially with that one, like, playing through scenes that already happened, mm. and you were able to change the outcome of those scenes, like, that was really weird, I thought. Like, like the scene where, you know, from the first Matrix, where he's in the office and Morpheus is like, yeah, take the scaffolding to the roof. And like, that's part of the game is like, I think you end up taking the scaffolding and you have to like, but agents are chasing you, but you're actually running up to the roof. So it's like, wait, that, that's, that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, so that like, that was kind of weird and how all that stuff worked out, but. They struggle um, to find entertaining gameplay in a plot that's set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I never played the Matrix Online game either. So See, that's, that's the one I heard was yeah. the quote unquote best. I, mm-hmm. Again, that it's got a completely different goal, after all, mm-hmm. just to set up a persistent, entertaining online world is an entirely different right. kettle fish from an entertaining series of missions. But right. I heard that it was good enough that if you were the type of person where the Matrix universe like gave it a plus for you, mm-hmm. it would push it over the edge into, yeah, you should totally play this oh, world. Okay. You know? Yeah, I think I just, All like... All this is third-hand info, but... Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't have, like, the capabilities for, like, online gaming at that point mm. in my life, so I was like, eh. Plus, it was, like, after they kind of wrapped it, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, like, I don't, their, you know, I think... Their, yeah. their living communities and constant content injections. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was intriguing, though, because I remember hearing, like... There was like Lawrence Fishburne dialogue, where he had like like one of with the I think the first story is like dialogue of him saying like you know why won't the machines give us Neo's body, you know it was like huh like that's that's kind of interesting like it's still like we're still even though that's done like we're still engaging with that it's like hey you know this you know he was my my friend we want we would like to bury him it's like what what is it about his body that they're like holding on to and so it was kind of like okay that's that's kind of neat okay all right I get you. so. But, yeah, like I said, I never played it. (laughs) Something that, speaking of just the world building around that, that these two films do for me, don't do for me, and it's a good thing, Mm -hmm. is they they don't leave me craving, like, with a craving to spend time just sitting around in the world and experiencing it. Mm -hmm. To be fair, movies don't tend to do that in general. It's much more a problem with television or video games. But, like... I have this issue where if, if you've captivated me with a world, mm-hmm. I want to learn about it. Yeah. I want to feel it. Mm-hmm. I want to just sit there and do it. And I want one or two or five episodes of your characters just living their regular old day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a Matrix analogy, the six months that Morpheus mentions where they're just pulling people out of the Matrix. Right, yeah. yeah, give me that. Yeah. I don't care that none of the... 
but none of the characters can die. You already know they're immortal because, you know, they have to survive for the second movie. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't need stakes. I don't right. need grand scheme. Oh, man, Trinity's in trouble. Oh, he got, barely got her out of there. Like, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Just, just show me. Show yeah. me the day-to-day. Show me Neo's first visit to Zion. Show me his right. first new mission. Show me the ships flying around and shit. Like, the Matrix doesn't do that for me, which mm-hmm. is good, because when things do that, I get frustrated. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm left going, ah! Like... Mm-hmm. See, it does that for me, though. I want, like, Star Wars-level expanded universe shit for this. I want to know about werewolves. I want to know about fucking yeah. vampires and yeah. ghosts. See, that's what I mean about like, the, the fact that they're movies to begin with helps with that. Right. Because the movie's purpose is only ever to show you the big world-changing parts right. of a universe. Whereas a long television series or video game's purpose is to show you a stretch of time within right. that universe. So it's, that's I'll a big a series, part of the offering, reason. I'll yeah. watch one. <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll watch it with you, yeah. yeah. I still want to yeah. see what happens in the first one. Morpheus talks about we don't take people after a certain age. Mm-hmm. I want to see when that shit went right. wrong. I want to yeah. see a young Morpheus, and I want to see how the, the Naomi relationship oh, yeah. went wrong. Mm-hmm. And the certain that. age like, thing could be great, because it could be like they take someone of a certain age and they just don't accept it, and then die like they right. stop eating or whatever it's like an inception so, thing. Like, but like half growing. the people do and half them don't and so there's this back and forth about like is it worth the risk of taking them out when sometimes they accept us and whatever but mm-hmm. then like maybe you get one person who just really struggles and then like mounts a rebellion right. or something and it really causes awful problems and that's where the hard and fast rule comes in yeah. you know no more philosophical debate mm-hmm. like legit problem there's a lot of fertile ground there I, I like to believe that the uh, captain who ends up with uh, Morpheus's ex is mad at Morpheus because Morpheus spurns on orgies. <laughs> like, when, ah. we haven't heard from him in a while. Because yeah. the last time everybody fucked. Like, that's what happened <laughs> last time, and it's happening again. <laughs> Counselor's like, we all need a good orgy. Let's let's get Morpheus in there. MC Morpheus, this, ladies this and gentlemen. This cave is so wet. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see, lasts longer than any real-life sexual encounter. <laughs> that's why they had to do it in slow-mo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling natural born human sex in the Matrix world is tantric. <laughs> I don't know whether this comes up in the third movie at all, mm-hmm. but something that, again, either they didn't have time for in the second film or whatever is the. No one seems to ever ask, like, why is Zion here? It's perfect. It's a place we can live that's safe from the machines and it's mm-hmm. got water and food and power. Like, huh, like, was this just luck? Let some former human resistance had to abandon this place or whatever like well there's a little bit of illusion in the first movie about or who is it that says it is it it's not says what is it dozer no what's the what is it tank tank dozer tank um he he talks about zion being we had to dig underground where the earth was still warm Mm -hmm. so like there's a certain sense that like it was humans that tunneled that way but there's not a whole lot of detail and on then that. there's a tiniest hint in this film when he, uh, Keanu is talking to the counselor in the engine room yeah. the counselor's like no one ever comes down here unless something breaks but these give us all our water and air and power we need them and we don't know how they work and I, I guess he's, you can assume that someone knows how to fix them but for the most part they just sit there right. like well, well wait where did these come from Right, right. I like well, that conversation. Huh, like that's a natural Neo question. Such like a brick wall, not getting it. He's like, do yeah. you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. That we are also dependent on these things, and Neo's like, we could turn these off, but then we die, Neo. Yeah. Like, like, is <laughs> that is that choice any choice at all? Right. Is basically what right. he's saying. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and, that, and that's one of the things, like, when, you know, I think, you, Joel, you were saying about, like, oh, is the architect just fucking with him about there having been right. previous ones? And to me, that was always evidence that there were. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they always refer to them, oh, yeah. we've been fighting for 100 years. I'd be like, I don't think you could build all that shit in 100 right. years. And it's yeah. not new. It's been there for a while. Yeah. You know. They just repopulated the Zion that was right. emptied before. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's it's that's the, actually a story I would like to see. Yeah. Is the one, like, a one who pulls out those humans, was it the 17? Yeah. female whatever and then they're like well wh- where'd all this shit come from you know they're they're the ones i feel like who really would ask the questions it's right. like oh you're the first that i freed oh. well then why is out there all this stuff here to sustain human life and then you, you know? see like generationally like lying to your children because it's right. better not to know it's like, like that they, just, they have more urgent problems like yeah. we need to find food today you know and not get dead and by yeah. the time they're old and have made another generation mm-hmm. like the question has just been pushed from their mind. Right. Yeah. And like rediscovering mm-hmm. how to enter the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Like that would be, I want that series. I want like right after one of the ones freeze. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then like rediscovery, like how do we get in the Here Matrix? Here are the ships we fly around. How do we what get are these, these weird chairs and right. these long cables? <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's, let me put this in the back of your head real quick. We'll see what happens. You know, like, <laughs> like if you grow up in that world just not knowing anything outside of it and then maybe discovering the, the, uh, Heart, or what is it the um, not killing fields the the growing fields oh yeah like seeing that shit and like it totally s- fucking your whole worldview up like that's that's because that's what it does to us when we see it, it's like holy yeah. shit like that growing fields is a pitch perfect just the sense of scale oh yes so many things show you big things and it never quite clicks yeah. it just just how big big, yeah. big becomes meaningless mm-hmm. that scene is perfect yeah it's so this is the, I, I hate this film because it makes me want to watch three and I don't like three. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Whenever I start these, are like I end up watching all three of them. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of this movie is when uh, uh, Morpheus pulls out his samurai sword. Oh yeah, Morpheus plus katana yeah. just works. Like, yeah. And he teases it's it for perfect. so long. He holds on to that thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. unsheathe it for so long. And then when he finally does, it's just like really cool sweeping with the mm-hmm. trench coat behind him. And then he cuts a fucking car in half with it. He's just, oh, it's yeah. so nasty. It's, it's brilliant. Because like, he was kind of like, he's the big fighter before Keanu in mm-hmm. the previous one. And this one, he's like, tease it. You don't really see him fight. You don't see him fight. You see him be this charismatic zealot leader. Mm-hmm. And then he cuts a car in half with a katana. That's <laughs> so <laughs> I, it was interesting that he uses he uses the katana in his left hand so he can shoot accurately with his right. Mm-hmm. And I, there was something I was just rewatching recently where our characters whole shtick that they're a sword fighter, and they end up in a place where they need a gun, and they use the gun in their left hand specifically because its whole purpose is just to keep people's heads down until he can close the distance in the sword uh-huh. fight. <laughs> and like I love that, that the two different approaches. Yeah, like Morpheus yeah. is like, no, no, the thing I need to do accurately is the gun that yeah, needs to unload. hit what I'm aiming at you <laughs> yeah, know the the sword just needs to cut the damn thing <laughs> in half yeah. so he just left hands it yeah you know whereas the other guy like, I don't need to hit I don't need to hit nothing I just need to keep bullets going <laughs> yeah. that direction vaguely until I can get up close so. right so okay <laughs> since there's a lull we can go back to you know so so I not that not that I want to make this all about John Wick but I can't help but no, yeah, at least talk some of the the similarities the crossovers um so you know, first of all, the so the key maker in the Matrix is the Doctor in John Wick, and I think in John <laughs> yeah. Wick, I don't think he comes in in two, but he comes back in three. Um, 
you know so and uh one of the and i didn't realize this at first but the in in the first john wick the um the guy who's like the one of the main bodyguards for the um like the russian mob boss guy uh oh. not the not the the mayhem guy from the the car commercials but the he's the one who ends up um in the fight where um they're they're gonna suffocate John Wick, but then the the sniper kind of kills church, one of yeah. the guys. Yeah, so it's the other guy that he's fighting. It's been so long since I've seen he, yeah, I know, and I, it was only because I just saw it recently, and he was like in, in the special features. He's like, oh yeah, and I, you know, I got a chance to work with Keanu in Matrix Reloaded, and I was like, okay, I thought his face looked familiar. So he was one of the agents, one of the new upgraded agents mm. in in Reloaded. Um, so that they're was cool. The same fucking universe. Yeah, they have to be. So so yeah, so that's that's sort of what I've been kind of like, and I think we joked about it before, like oh how Matrix 4 and, and John Wick 4 are coming out on the same day and we're all just going, oh what if it's the same movie what, or what if they first start off as two different movies but the second half of each movie is the same but from the two different points of view and what if John Wick is actually in the Matrix and then that so I don't know if you've seen but as of I think a few days ago very few days ago they have the first like sort of you know fan taken production photos from Matrix 4 and apparently Keanu Reeves has long hair and a scruffy beard so we're just kind of like, oh, okay. What if, what if, what if he just is straight up John Wick? Like, I'm thinking I'm back. That's like you in know, the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if that's just like he's re? Oh, which that's what I wanted to put out too. Is I want this on record in case it's on being thing. My theory is that Matrix Four will be titled uh, the Matrix Afterlife. That's my guess because. You know, and this was kind of hearing right. like birth, the, life, death, yeah, afterlife. afterlife. Plus oh, the fact yeah. that that both you know Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss are going to be in it. It's like, well, wait, you know, like how, how just to play devil's advocate, yeah. I'll say it's going to be rebirth. Well, the, and that's what I was thinking too. I was like, wait, it has to be something <laughs> R, with an R. R. So okay, something along those lines. Oh right, lines. yeah. So, I, so yeah, the R's. I yeah. see the R's. Okay. So so that was, but 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 that was sort of my my the first Matrix guess. retcon. Yeah, or or oh. or reincarnation could be another possibility. So, zombies, it'll be zombies. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so that was just restart. Those, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Reboot. Well, let's reboot. do you can reboot. call it reboot. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Reboot. Matrix rebooted. It's for. like, well, wait, is that the second one? No, that's reloaded. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll is be it, confused for an age. Is it reboot Lucians? No, that's re- <laughs> Revolutions. You're thinking that's the third one. <laughs> so. Reload shave point. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So that was. Yeah, all that stuff's been on my mind since I was, yeah I saw John Wick one, two, and three finally, and and um, yeah, and I'm I'm glad I did because of that comparison I made where, like watching, without giving spoilers away about three, when it was done, I I just felt exhausted, like I I was just beat, like I I was just like tired and you know because you sorry you f- Matrix three or Wick three sorry Wick three okay yeah yeah yes like like <laughs> I'm with you yeah like I like my my body so- hurt I was just like oh my god. Because like everything was just like relentless, and and the fights are so visceral and brutal, and then you see the Matrix, and like I said, it's very pretty. It's like ballet. So I think it's such a it's such a great contrast to mm-hmm. see, you know, the different the different types of, of fights and styles, and, and and what a difference that makes. You know that, um, you know, yeah, like the Matrix is not John Wick, and John Wick is not the Matrix. I know I just said I think four is gonna be the same thing. I but, will say my you know. one worry, Wick John Wick wise, is that they are they are starting to fall victim to the escalation issue in three. Oh, I know. Like, where do you just go from a little there? bit? Yeah, like <laughs> I I just like I don't I didn't need that. Like, I, more of one would have been fine. You didn't necessarily need to make it bigger and louder. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, we'll, we'll see. We'll see four. I know yeah. there are some here who haven't seen seen three yet, so I'll keep it quiet. But like, yeah, right. once you get to the end of two, though, you're like, oh shit. Well, right, yeah. and there are a couple a bits slog. in. Like, there's that one room in three that's very James Bond esque. Mm-hmm. It's just like a glass fairground funhouse labyrinth with mirrors and that's stuff, funny. which is phenomenal. Yeah. Right, it's excellent. But when I think back across all three, the thing that I love the most is the nightclub from one. And I love it because it's that's just the right amount of cool flashing lights that's, and neat atmosphere. That's mm-hmm. a really but it's still sequence. mostly just some men in a dark room beating on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's none of the weird, the the weapon juggling at the beginning of three in the shop, mm-hmm. or um, the funhouse mirror thing at the end of three or whatever. Like, and by end, I, end is long. You'll <laughs> don't worry, Joel. Don't you worry. There's no man with the golden gun sort of thing going on here. I see. Um, Damn it. Yeah. So. I, I'm slightly worried for four in that regard mm-hmm. that they're either gonna finally spill over the top and it's just gonna become ridiculous and mm-hmm. lose the touch of seriousness that makes the franchise so excellent. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But yeah, you know, well, I mean, I'm mostly I'm optimistic. Yeah, Zeke, I've joined you on the silent end of the discussion. Yeah. This podcast. <laughs> it's well, nice it's to a be good here. list. So, <laughs> so here's, well, here's your homework: is to watch John Wick three by the time before we do the Revolutions podcast. We should all go so see that way both fours can... together. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's the same. I, I told my wife, I'm like, out, don't expect now. to see me that day. Yeah, yeah. work. I'm not going to be there. But I have a question for you to tie back in to what we're talking about now, and then the last piece. But what did you think? I mean, just compare the world building in Matrix and Matrix Reloaded and then John Wick 1 and 2, because I love the world building from John Wick 1 to John Wick 2, because I feel like they give you the right amount of like, oh, I did want to know about that. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's a cool aspect of the world. Yeah. Cool. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. How did you, I mean, what are your thoughts? Um, Do you feel like Matrix does that well or not quite as well? I think it is is clunky in the Mm -hmm. Matrix, I thought. Like, and I think that was part of maybe... And I feel I feel like we've all kind of touched on this too. Yeah. Is like, I, I don't. <laughs> this, this is just kind of like me a lot of the time. I I don't really give a shit about any of the characters that we didn't already know from Matrix One. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. like as they're introducing all these captains and ships, I'm just like, Ugh. I don't especially fucking care. when they start killing them off almost as quickly as they came. Yeah, right. and like, it's like that's your signal to just stop caring. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. like I, like, I didn't oh, start caring. Bother? You know. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I almost think of like reloaded almost like it's the long drawn out start like episode one like uh, new hope mm-hmm. where it's like really long and you kind of, before you get to like the plot things and it's kind of building the universe out whereas yeah. the f- first matrix is like here's the world you're in and then mm-hmm. it, it just expect like you're seeing it pov through neo yeah. but the, you don't really have a pov in Reloaded. Again, that the first one had to be a complete package in itself. Right. But the second one, knowing it had the third one to, to finish it, right. was able to leave things unfinished. Right. And it sort of can annoy you if you don't watch them back-to-back, apparently. Again, mm-hmm. I'm told. That's the thing. I feel like with... I can agree, with having John not seen Wick, the third, like that it leaves things open. entering the yeah. world of assassins yeah. with yeah. him. So it's your... your and in two, you kind of like see that okay, it's it's broadening, and there's the hotel, and then there's right. Common, who's a badass in that movie. Yeah. Like, so you kind and of in three, are... they do that less because they did it a lot in two. It just oh. works; you're used to it. Yeah. But there are they start to address the fact that Rick was gone for a while, right. and that there are things that surprise him. So you still him. are staying. And I'll with say nothing else about that. Your POV through I'm, that. World. For Tim, I'm thinking of towards the end. Uh, 
more like basically i'll just use the term upgrades because we saw the matrix and that way i don't have to use actual words from wick but like mm-hmm. like someone tells him there have been upgrades and then later after a fight upgrades like <laughs> not what i thought but yeah. you didn't imply this severe what yeah. happens you know you it's a great moment code every podcast yeah. <laughs> but it's a great moment you know and, and it, because it also expands the world but not quite as eagerly because we're starting to get used to it but it starts to touch on mm-hmm. that he's our POV and he's been gone for a while. Right. So there are things yeah. he doesn't expect. That's well, something so good about the first one is like you're we're experiencing and discovering this world like Neo is. Mm-hmm. And then in the second one we're just kind of dropped into it. Moving mm-hmm. up between him and Smith. Because it would have been point, really cool to start with like have it from Smith's POV in the second one, and then like him discovering what it's like to feel and not be like if mm-hmm. you had done this is just me uh, fanficking for a second but like if you wrote it from Smith's perspective where he's discovering that now he's an outcast mm-hmm. and he's like on his way to the source it's like why the fuck am I doing this and then he's like I can clone myself what mm-hmm. and then I can access like that that would have been a really cool like mm-hmm. if you said and then the third one would be the culmination of those two forces fighting because they're kind of they're, they're parallels mm-hmm. like Neo becoming more machinic, him becoming more human, like, like that. I might argue that the issue with two is that we stick with Neo's perspective because by that time he's an expert. He knows, well, thinks he knows all there is to know about the Matrix, but we don't because we haven't seen anything since the last film. Yeah. So he so, kind of leaves us behind. Like he sees a the bit. bodyguard glowing golden instead of uh, the only clue we have at all that's not right is from the end of film one when he sees the agents as green code. Right. But we don't get any reminder about that. And instead, he sees the aid, the bodyguard as gold and says, like, what are you? What 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 are you? What were you expecting? Program? Not program? He keeps calling him a program anyway. Different kind of program? Like, mm-hmm. for Neo, he doesn't have to explain that to himself because he's him and he knows. But we don't. <laughs> but we're in his perspective. So... Mm-hmm. And so we don't get a scene. No, no, that's that's no, that's great. Look yeah. at him. I feel yeah. bad. <laughs> well, no, no, and, and and I think that's part of it too. Like, I mean, I, I think I think one of the things you kind of caught on to with like with John Wick is like it, it goes back. Even though the movie, the timeline's moving forward, it, it goes back to his past. Right. So it's not quite a prequel, but it, it references his past. Whereas this, it's still moving forward. But yeah, and we're kind of like there's this momentum towards this event where it's like, oh, they're drilling. Okay, we have a timeline right. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, so we don't really get to explore, you know, yeah, like well, how did how did Neo get from this point to this point, or how do you know? It's kind of just yeah, and there's <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know, like yeah, and I think I think that's part of it is like I just I got to know that crew in event in uh, in, Avengers, in in Matrix One. And they, you know, like I said, they were they were like superheroes at that point. Like you're, they, I think they mentioned once or twice like other ships. Oh, did the warning? Oh, the warning came from another ship. So you yeah. get this vague sense that there are other ships, mm-hmm. but it's like you know you you're you don't care about it. For what that was whole supposed movie. to be these single bastions of hope, like filled with powerful fighters that we maybe have a handful of that are doing what they can, like suddenly became the army. Right. Yeah. yeah it sort of yeah lost a little bit of their mystique. I mean, I don't. I don't know what they could have done differently. Like, I, I realized that they did have to raise the stakes because it's like, they okay, this is the whole, yeah, like, this How is the whole fate of, yeah, yeah, of all these humans in Zion. So, like, you have to introduce Zion. You have to introduce all this stuff. So I think it's, 
yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't know <clears throat> that there's a way to do it that I, you know, that it's like, oh, if you had done it like this, it may have worked better. Like, I don't know. I think it's just, you know, sometimes if you're trying to, you know, set the stage for something that big, like you just have to do, say, like, say, okay, you're going to listen to a lot of talking for a while, but then when the action gets going, you're going to enjoy yourself, you know, and, um, but yeah, and I, I mean, I like a lot of the little touches. I definitely liked um, getting to see, I, I think one of my favorite parts in terms of world building is that like when they go to see the Merovingian because this is the first time that they're like interacting with bad guys who aren't actively trying to kill them like uh, the yeah. fact that they actually have a sit down yep. like like there's never a point where like Neo is like talking to Agent Smith in the first one that Smith is trying isn't trying to kill him I mean you you get that a little bit with like the Smith and, room, I guess. right but, but, but you know it's because <laughs> Morpheus yeah. is like chained up and He's they're talking to add him rather than to right him, like so yeah. so the fact that like they're going into the lion's den it's like oh okay like we're we're here and we're okay and, and then we're when the agents show up with and they're and, not on the same page as the ghost twins right yeah like the implication this program is operating outside of what the matrix wants the the authority of the government right yeah and then of course you know we learn with the architect later like yeah he doesn't really care what other programs do or don't do with their lives mm -hmm. in the matrix yeah. because the matrix is its own more important thing mm -hmm. <laughs> bigger than any of them right yeah it really humanizes the programs actually yeah and and i think that's what i really liked about it is it did yeah, not so much with, with the, the human part of it, but yeah, but like the, the program part of it. Because mm -hmm. I feel like in the first one, you get the sense that all there are are humans plugged into the Matrix, living their lives, the, the humans who have gotten out and are actively going back in, and agents, and that's or it. cleaning up the system. Yeah. The representation and, and, of the yeah, Matrix. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There's nothing else, you right. know. And this shows us that there's another living creature programs yeah. all over the Matrix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have emotions, and they get jealous, and yeah. yeah. They're imitating their own human lives mm -hmm. just another like cathartic story fantasy I'm just thinking about like what if there's somebody who's like discovers that the matrix is a thing mm -hmm. and they physically cannot be taken out so they have to like live within the matrix knowing that they will never breathe real air mm -hmm. and then they have to serve as like Morpheus's spy or something like and knowing oh, that okay. in any moment an agent could take over their consciousness and then they would have to be killed but like yeah. just there's so many POVs that I want in this world. Mm -hmm. Like, what about people who know that they're in the Matrix but don't want to don't want to come out? Right. And have found a way to manipulate it. So, okay, I'm gonna be rich here. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have whatever I want to eat forever. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> just like like the hacker that doesn't come out of the Matrix because they're not interested in freedom so much as controlling right. the circumstances around them. Like, there's just so many. Like, it's such a rich setting for those kinds of stories. Yeah. It, yeah. <clears throat> Well, and those were definitely like a lot of a lot of metaphors that I saw within that whole thing too. Is that like, you know, with the Matrix being a metaphor for the world, and you know, the idea that there are people who, who yeah, who can manipulate people and be like, oh, I can do this. Like, you know, if you're like a salesman, and it's like, oh, I can say this and this and this, and this person is going to buy this thing that they don't need, and I'm you know using you know and. And it was definitely something that I saw as, yeah, that, yeah, that's a person that can kind of, you know, crack the code and manipulate the system and this and that. And, you know, but, which is never something that, that I wanted to be. It's like, sure, I could learn how to talk to people to play on their insecurities and get them to think that they need this thing I'm selling. But I, I didn't want to. I would rather kind of get to what is what is real. Um, and actually, an interesting thing that I had read, uh, I forget where it was, and this kind of 
you made me think of this. Um, there, there are also all oh, these also these um, matrix and philosophy books that were put out, mm-hmm. um, and I think some of them like there were different. Each chapter was like an article written by someone, um, and one of them I don't actually I don't know if it was in there if it was somewhere else because I did I read a lot of stuff about the matrix, but someone had commented how in Zion, and I I use the term majority loosely because I didn't count, but someone had pointed out that a majority of the people in Zion are people of color. Mm-hmm. And sort of what statement they were making by that. And the person who wrote the article was kind of giving their input is that, you know, the Matrix is essentially working for white people. So why would there be as many white people who want to leave the Matrix <laughs> as are people of color who are like, hey, fuck this place. Wow. I'm going to go to the real world. Damn. And it was like, oh, shit. Way to go, Wachowskis. Damn. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, like, that, that part is kind of woven into, you know, just, yeah, when you, when you look at, I mean... Again, I have to go back and watch the first Matrix and, the, you know, the parts in the Matrix, you know, like how many people are white? How many people are going about their daily lives, like mm. chilling out, living in the Matrix and um, versus the people who are in Zion, who it's just like, oh, man, yeah, these are the people who are like, yeah, the system is not mm. fucking working for me. Like, hey, come on, you can get out. <laughs> well, um, I, one of the things that the Pachowskis have always been really phenomenal at, separate from their ups and downs as directors or editors or writers mm-hmm. is world builders mm. just I've talked about this before maybe not on the podcast but that Jupiter Ascending oh my god more of that yeah. that whole in, in like frames of that have more world building potential than entire movies mm-hmm. you know and I actually really enjoyed it so yeah I, I liked it maybe on the, the wrong side of the bed here for this to make this argument but like just that was that was brilliant every little detail every piece of architecture it all mm-hmm. had something behind it and it all felt like part of a larger and cohesive world a giant universe yeah, yeah. shit exactly <laughs> and they did that of course phenomenally with the matrix as well mm-hmm. yeah and it's something that that isn't something that all films need necessarily right but that a lot of other films when they choose to do it they have to take time they have mm-hmm. to really sort of try and there's something about it, the Pachowski films, that it's just inherent in the sets mm-hmm. and the costumes and the, the place. The sense of place comes through the screen really well. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, with yeah, with Zion. Yeah, like oh, you, yeah. when you show up there, it's like shit. Like this is a place. This has been here for a while. This is people live here. Yes, I got it. And there's the tech yeah. and the caves and mm-hmm. where that meets and changes. Yeah. And also the like kind of the the messiah construct of like mm-hmm. how people in Zion view. Neo. Yeah. And then you kind of see... You juxtapose Morpheus with this world where he has influence because he's this great warrior and this great prophet and has saved these people. So, like, like on the Nebuchadnezzar, he's, like, kind of isolated. You kind of get, okay, there's a prophecy. How isolated is this? It's like this one guy who might have gone crazy on a ship, right? Mm-hmm. And then you come <laughs> into, like... And then he's this prophet who could be potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm writing all of these hopes out on this mad dream of a program that told him like this 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 crazy notion that this is the messiah mm-hmm. how, how is that practical we live in a world where machines are huge and dangerous and they're coming to get us mm-hmm. and this guy's talking about this this white kid like what i mean <laughs> he goes whoa a lot like what what do you where's the... <laughs> he goes, whoa. something i really like about the oracle interaction in the second film is when neo is like wait but you're not a human no but you're a program like mm-hmm. what did you think she was like did you think did anyone ask 
Like, why are we talking to this future seeing oracle? Is it not a program? Is it a human that lives in the Matrix? Is Morpheus it like, like why can't of... we connect to her in real life? Right. And right, Morpheus yeah. just sort of said, oh, yeah, sure, so it's the Oracle. And Neo just, oh, yeah, sure, okay. And, like, mm-hmm. you can see in the park bench conversation him sort of realizing for the first time, oh, I never asked. Yeah. Yeah, huh. and neither, Morpheus... did, neither did we. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, oh, shit, neither that's did right. the audience, exactly, yeah. And Morpheus accepted. He, d- he yeah. does a lot of not asking. Yeah. He gets what he needs from things mm-hmm. and doesn't go any further. That's yeah. what the, the whole finding the one was. Because once it was over, he's like, we did everything we were supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, but you'd never considered that this might not be the thing. You didn't ask for the next step. Mm -hmm. Would have been interesting to kind of see an arc with Morpheus where... Well, maybe I won't talk about that because I I don't remember how much the third film goes into Morpheus' character development post the one not ending the war type thing. Because it would have been cool to see him go mad. I don't think he goes mad in the next one. It's more more depression, I think. Right. What's funny is the one is supposed to end the war, but not in the way you want it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you want, yeah. Not in the yeah. it's over yeah. type thing. Yeah. Is it time, Joel? It is. It is. I actually have one today. <laughs> oh, you do? What? Um, Hang on. Let me say I'm going to put it right here. <laughs> it is It is time for another situational movie <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> You brought one. I do. I did. Which only... our conversation touched on a little bit, but and we may have done this before because I don't remember, but what I guess I can view phrase it in one of two ways. What film has your favorite world building slash what world from a film do you desperately want to spend more time exploring? Mm. Which we talked about. I kind it's of Star brought Wars. up my own topic it's, in the conversation. For me, it's but, always gonna be Star Wars. Yeah. I love that universe so much it's because I could continue the world building at home with all the toys. Yeah. Because I, like, they The versatility every... of the Star Wars universe was great, too. It's because the and... further you go towards the originals, mm-hmm. you know, past Empire world, lightsabers and the Jedi are almost non-existent. Yep. And you're just looking at a regular place with regular people and government problems and guns and armies. But the further backwards in time you go, the more lightsabers and wizards you get. More <laughs> and so you can have everything yeah. you want. <laughs> and then, matter. I mean, if you go past the originals, you get post-war and reconciliation and trying Government to... Government building and... Like, yeah. And that's the stuff that I liked in this expanded universe. It was mm. like, okay, now the Empire's gone. How do we rebuild? Yeah. And what does the Jedi look like after that? I remember like, complaining to you at one point that there was a lot of... And this was before the sequels were happening. Mm-hmm that there was so much like EU stuff out there that had this obsession with the Empire and post-Empire but also had this raging hard-on for lightsabers and magic (laughs) and like kept constantly trying to shoehorn the two in there with like oh it's definitely post and don't worry Luke's off on submission it's all other characters so they you know don't like have to live oh but here's the definitely not Jedi with their vibro staffs that definitely aren't lightsabers that look that are doing the same comp like it always I ran into a bunch of that stuff in a row for like a year straight and it really started to bother me because I was like you could have your lightsabers if you just go back in time and let go of the rebels right right? or vice versa like one or the other buddy and of course you know there's so much out there that was just the bad luck of what I stumbled across but uh I just I, I like that universe so much, and it was established so firmly in my mind at such a young age that I was like, 
this is where stories that are interesting to me happen. Yeah. That that's to this day, like watching background stuff of like how they shot the originals, I'm like, yeah. that's not a set. They're lying to me. Like yeah. it just feels real. It <laughs> like and that I don't know. It's like conditioning from a very young age. Something about the sound was like the cherry on top for me. That just the laser noises and the, mm-hmm. the ship sounds and the explosions like that's just what it should be. It felt natural. I always want more Lord of the Rings stories. Oh. Like, not necessarily the Hobbit. Like, I watch the Hobbit because I enjoy that world so mm-hmm. much. And they're they're not bad. They're just CGI rather than practical, and there's all these issues. No, but that's your, like, there's literally an entire book of just world building, basically. Right. right. But, like, I, I want to watch it. I don't want to read it. That's right. The, <laughs> that's what yeah. I mean. I like, And then the, in, in terms of the other four other books, the Hobbit and the three Lord of the Rings books, he wanted to tell this one kind of important moment that almost doesn't register as a blip on the universe's calendar was important, you know? But yeah, that's your definition of untapped potential right there. And then the last one for me would be Planet of the Apes. Mm. I I love all five of the original movies. I love all three of the new movies. I even love the Tim, Tim Burton one for what it does, like, makeup-wise. I, I love that world. It's so twisted, and it's so... We've all seen Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I saw the original, I saw the Tim Burton one, and I saw the first two of the new trilogy. I still haven't seen the third oh, one yet. You haven't seen War? No. Oh my god. Do you have it? I'll buy yes. it. Yes. <laughs> original on television, God knows how many years ago, nothing else. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. Shit. That is again, a good just, way to that situation. Yeah, right again, now. just the concept didn't grab me enough to push it to the top of the pile at any point. The first one, you know, the ending breaks me so... It's such a it's good so, ending. It's the best ending in film, in my opinion. Like, it's so fucked up. I love it. It's brilliant. That's why I love that universe. Like, I love... Whenever they do a comic series set in that time and they have, like, the old-style, like, Apes. orangutans <laughs> that look yeah. like humans with masks on. I love that aesthetic so much. I love that twisted zealot like religious oligarchy world I love it that's sorry I've answered four times oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate every chimp I see from chimpanzee <laughs> chimpanzee Simpsons oh yeah Zayas Dr. Zayas Dr. Zayas yeah see do you want to do you need some time uh, I mean I've got I'll, I'll it's going to be my answer for all of the things but back to the future I mean yeah. I just yeah. to see the same place and like the same people or the same families in so many different eras right from 85 to 55 then back to the wild west then to the future i just i'm a fan of that I, mm-hmm. that's a, a type of world building that i really like i'm picturing um, like a 16th century like yeah give me all of it. <laughs> so there we go i didn't have an answer for what i want to see more of but like just back to the future just marty mcfly <laughs> Future it, to the backer. Exactly. <laughs> great, 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 great grandpa, and then great, 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 great grandson. Like, let's just do it all. Um, <laughs> all the McFly. Exactly. I can't think of anything else right now, though, but I'll think on it. Uh, and I'm going to regret that probably. But I'll think. <laughs> Let me see. See, part of me, there are nooks and crannies of the Star Wars universe that I've definitely gotten into. Like, a lot of the, as I've been reading the Knights of the Old Republic books, mm-hmm. like, oh, I yeah. really do. Like, the six times them. that you've said Revan, and I've been like, which Revan? Which Revan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, so, I mean, there, there's that part of it. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, maybe certain points within the Star Wars history, which is a, a huge world, 
to, to pick from. So yeah, somewhere in there. I want a Dexter Jetster like cheer show. I want that Ruby Tuesdays in in space yeah. with just bartending. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think this one. I don't think I would answer the Matrix because I feel like it's 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 fucking depressing. You know, well, like, plus we're getting more of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's, there's we'll, more to come. We'll withhold yeah. judgment and see if we want to see more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I'm also thinking kind of like. You know, I kind of took the question as like, what what world would would I want to live in? You know, participate in, not just mm-hmm. necessarily see more of. And I feel like, I mean, I would want to see more of the Matrix world, but but you know, after the first one, you kind of feel like you do. Yeah, I want to be able to do it. But then, like when you get to the nitty gritty of, like I said, it's like it's just you're fighting a fucking war and you could die every day and you're doing this cool stuff. But if you're the one doing it, you don't think it's cool. You're you're trying to survive. You know, so like like being a person in that world, I think would suck horribly. Um, that's something Reloaded does is like in the first one you're like yeah it's cool to be in the Matrix because you can do this shit yeah. and the second one's like no you shouldn't want to be in the Matrix yeah fuck this world <laughs> like why are we trying to save it in the first place maybe um, I think another world and this isn't a film but I'm going to say it anyway is the the, uh, the Netflix series The Dragon Prince yes like what what they sort of do with magic and I mean I mean just world building in general what that show has done I mean I know it's a oh, show yeah. versus a movie but it's no, just but like fine. and we're getting more shit. too yeah. thankfully yeah and they're man that third season they are not afraid to make big changes you know like yeah. with the original run of Airbender mm-hmm. you know for the most part the world stayed as it is right mm-hmm. it's kind of like with Star Wars like it's just the, the good guy and the bad guy and they have their big fight to eventually get to but mm-hmm. like Dragon Prince just completely changed the face of human society on this planet, <laughs> like yeah. with their third season. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing, yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. And I just, yeah, I love the, I love the, the different races that they've developed and how they just keep introducing more. And you know, you can tell they've got this plan for like what the rest of the world is, even though they mm-hmm. only show you little pieces at a time. And um, however, it is kind of interesting. I feel like all of the humans you know who are different races the way they interact with everyone is 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 very nice and very equal like but it's because they have this other race of people that they can hate instead it's like right. oh the elves we hate them so i don't care if you're black or white or whatever but as long as we all agree to hate the elves and it's like oh you guys are so close <laughs> so that part kind of bugged yeah. me uh, you know except you know in most cases with films like this and i think this is the idea it's the children who see past that and they're like hey you idiots like we can be friends with the elves they're not all terrible you know like shut the fuck up um but but yeah i just i, just, I love that world like that is the one maybe i don't want to say the one because it might be other things but you know i have this list of every time the netflix comes out with a new series okay you're going to the bottom of the list you're going about new new series of dragon prince top of the list i'm watching yeah. it this weekend you know mm-hmm. um yeah i feel like right now at least that's my that's my favorite world to live in Live in, I would not do well in Planet of the Apes. Well. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, Maybe that's why I was just like, that's a weird answer, because that's how I was thinking of it. Yeah, I, can no, I just okay. want to see more stories right, said, yeah. but like, live in Star Wars <laughs> would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of shot myself in the foot here because they already discussed Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm on the, in the same boat with Star Wars and the Dragon Prince. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm running out of, out of. How is this not things. a Blade Runner answer from you? Because I, I got what I wanted. Oh. Especially from the first movie, right. um, it's done. Like you see that Earth is gritty. You see the the replicants. That some are legal and some are not. That you know, like I, I got it. It was done. It was a right. perfect, complete picture for me. I sort of you can idly wonder what life is like on the off-world colonies, but I didn't need to know. And then they were like, okay, well, there's going to be more. And then they did the same thing again. They finished it for me. 
I am interested in the at the end of 2049 like the whole now there's hybrid life and mm. replicant was that whole replicant freedom movement that's been growing underground and like where that might go is super cool but the nature of Blade Runner is to not know is that like to to have faith not to have faith but just to life is only what it is and eventually it's going to end and you're just going to have to stop like spoiler for real life <laughs> right I, <laughs> like that I'm, I'm more concerned about my own experiences with the universe right. and they were all perfect so I don't like I have a craving to go back notice that none of us said the avatar blue people ones and we're getting seven of those apparently <laughs> and nobody said terminator and we've got five of those well I mean when the when the next one does meh they'll cut seven to two to three and then you know call it good but um, I, I mean, real world I guess I mean you could say 1917 or Dunkirk that just I want more of that long form, one subject focus, single event in World War history stuff. Mid like midway, but not midway, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Would have would have been pretty great too. I feel like there's um, so many of those, and I feel like there's always going to be an audience for people who want to watch mm-hmm. that again and again. But it's it's got to be not midway and more Dunkirk, which I mean I loved midway. It was a lot right. of fun. There's definitely a place for that, but that's the thing. Like I yeah. I, I like that era and those types of stories. And it's not too. necessarily world building, quote unquote, because right. it's real life. But no, but. like I think the way that that story is told in Dunkirk is yeah. very interesting and like gives an immediacy to it and exactly. a, a hopelessness to it that other that might be a which form do you want to see replicated in more stories? That, sure. But and then this I is mean, a good question. I like this one. Thank you. Yeah, if we're stepping into television and whatnot, don't. It's okay. a trap. No, go ahead. Um, no, I already I, did it. Turn yeah, the Tim opened the door. I'm just stepping through. Counselor. Dun dun. Oh, man. Is, and this is going to lose, lose us half our listeners here, but I, I enjoy Sword Art Online as a, an anime. Um, and even Sword Art Online is one of those check in the video game, die in the game, die in real life things. But the end of season one, that game goes away, and we do different games for the other seasons. Mm-hmm. They find reasons, don't worry. <laughs> don't but worry. season one has a one and a half year time skip. Because much like a film, it only focuses on the big life-changing parts, universe-changing parts. And I just I you wanted want, more. I was like, oh, come on. Especially because every time they touch on it, it's super cool. They talk about the players who kill other players, which in a regular video game is just a thing you do, it is no big deal, but how it's forced different sections of the world to create their own justice systems to deal with these other players, and like how the economy works when money is essentially infinite, because mm-hmm. you can farm it forever, and like they touch on that very briefly, and there are answers, and the answers are always cool and interesting, and then they're like, ah, done, time skip, here's the end. <laughs> like, ah, no! <laughs> I just, I want more. I want more of that fully realized world. Oh, Shin Godzilla world. Ooh. I want more. Yeah. More, more like classic Toho Godzilla films. More bureaucracy Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want it. I want it so bad. <clears throat> I want more in the uh, Six Underground universe. I really want more Need for Speed. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> but, I, you know, just that in the sense of... Um, I lost it. Like, in... in I guess I could say Scott Pilgrim in Zombieland, in the Zombieland style of like just 
oh, that this okay. rule is a back. comic book and it's just an excuse for cool stuff to happen. Gosh, like, I yeah. want more of that from Need for Speed, <laughs> which is sort of what some of the Fast and Furiouses seem to start approaching, according to what I heard. But I just, you know, <coughs> their, their big, big secret underground race that happens once a year that the random radio DJ guy gets together. I want to know about that. I want to know how he picks his racers. Like, oh, the film itself it was just. Like right. it turns into a speed racer. Yeah, the film itself was just a shorter version of like, oh, here's the street racing section. Here's the supercar street racing section mm-hmm. in daylight. Here's the race across the United States cannonball run section. Here's the list section. Like, give me. You already have every type of cool racing you can put on a screen, mm-hmm. and a world that contains all those things. Like, just throw more at me. <laughs> what is Six Underground on? Uh, Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a great fun action movie, and they kind of leave it where they could do more in that world. I don't know if they're ever going to do it or if it's just that idea of like, hey, there's there you know, imagine where the world goes from here. Is there anything you're excited that's coming that you haven't seen yet? Any, any, any which is I guess that's a limited. I mean Bond, but I'm always wanting more Bond. <laughs> I was thinking of the movie with Ryan Reynolds called Guy. Save the guy, the last guy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Right. free guy, yeah. free guy, right? Free guy. Just the oh, idea that we're gonna have a sudden a free will NPC in a video game is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I think that's gonna be a really great world to go visit. Yeah. You know that we've never seen before. As opposed to like we're gonna get another Wes Anderson movie. I think it's also gonna be really great to visit. But we've probably seen. You know, oh my we, god. We know it's gonna be great to visit. So I, I have right. to voice this this about the Wes Anderson trailer. I've never been so the disgusted dispatch, by with the way, myself is the, the upcoming film for wanting to see a movie so bad. I was like, of course, this totally fucking appeals to me. Every fucking frame of it, it's so pretentious, and I want to see it so bad. <laughs> I thought of you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's fucking that. disgusted. I want to see this because it, it looks amazing. I'm, In keeping with my Blade Runner answer, universe and, and Tim's Matrix answer, universes that you're done with. Either for, oh, done with. either for bad reasons of the like, oh god help me, this has become awful, or just the good reasons, like just I'm fulfilled. Like I don't need more. Blade Runner, I'm fulfilled. Cowboy Bebop, I'm already fulfilled, even though I'm only like a third of the way through the series. <laughs> because there have been enough episodes that are just here's what a day in the life is like. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good. You know, it's like great, you satisfied me. Pick up the big thread and let's get let's get going. I'm done with those in a good way. I'm done with yeah. what they're doing with Fast and Furious. Okay. Like, if I just got Hobbs and Shaw movies for the next ten years, I'm okay yeah. with that. Sorry, this is molded no, into another question. <laughs> yeah. For which I have 18 answers. People gotta go home. So <laughs> is, is there anything you're just satisfied with and done with? Or this think they've driven into the ground? <laughs> He's out. He's left, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> or think they've driven into the ground, either way. I mean, I'm torn between being extremely satisfied with and just done in a good way or wanting more of the Breaking Bad universe because I want to plug Better Call Saul like that Mm -hmm. was a great look into another part of the world El Camino was a great look into the other part of the world Um, and they do those in very poignant and very deep uh, ways that I don't know I'm I'm glad they had those spinoffs and kind of build off of Mm -hmm. it I could probably keep watching more but if that's all they did was Better Call Saul and El Camino I'd be happy so yeah Yeah, certainly. I don't know which category to throw that in (laughs) that's fair yeah yeah. Other than the Matrix, Tim, is there anything from you that comes to mind? Yeah, I don't know. That might be either the only one, or I can't think of any because they've wrapped up so well that I've stopped right. thinking about them years yeah. ago. Yeah. Fair. All right. Yeah. 
Thank you. I, thank you, Joel, for letting me turn that into like three questions, by the way. <laughs> I answered every one of them multiple times. Uh, yeah. I it as much as you did. <laughs> But, uh, and thank you, Tim, for bringing us the second Matrix Ooh, and your okay. insight. I'm really excited about the third Matrix now. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really wanting to watch it with you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, what I'm, that's what my hope is. I've been wanting like, to have this know. conversation with you for as yeah. long as we've been friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we've always been around other people. <laughs> Why'd you look at me when you said that? I just looked over there. <laughs> so next month is going to be Zeke. And has he decided? Yeah, <laughs> as of we, as of the beginning of this yeah. recording, you were juggling two options. All right. Um, so I promise I'm not commandeering the podcast to turn it into a sports only podcast, but uh, <laughs> this time I am. Again, I'm, you know, falling off a rocky. You have to get time. the three of us to keep picking sports movies. Is the thing. That's you true. Know, yeah. in between that's the next so step. A quarter. <laughs> and that's of part this. of why yeah. we're all allowed to just pick the one thing we like all the time because there are <laughs> other people in between us. And make it refreshing. Yeah, I snuck in here with bad times at the El Royale, and I'm. I'm just going to sports <laughs> movies until I die. Um, so my next one will air right as the NBA playoffs are in full swing and heating up. So I was going to go with a basketball movie. Have it narrowed down to two. Um, I'm going to give it back to you, the people. Oh, <laughs> oh this is unprecedented. So I'm going to go for a, yeah, unprecedented. Uh, I'm going to need a, a vote and just be as honest and pick whatever you want. Oh I'm equally as excited about both and equally as stuck. So, you don't get to um, lay responsibility on our shoulders. I, I'm going to. We each get it one-fourth of the time, and that's it. The rest of the time, we get to sit back and judge. <laughs> so uh, either thinking um, renowned documentary Hoop Dreams, because we haven't done a documentary yet. Oh. Um, that's a really good one. Um, pretty powerful one. So that's, that's an option. That's option A. Three hours, or like 250 is the runtime, so take that into account. Option B... <laughs> Is a Spike Lee joint, um, Denzel's He Got Game. Um, looking about two twenty five mm. for that. So, so I will leave it up to you. Remind me what Hoop Dreams' focus is. Mm-hmm. It's about um, two. Well, I mean, well, right, but I mean, balls and holes. So it's balls and holes. I could just not do a basketball one too. If this is how you guys no, I, feel. Lay it on me, please. Like, is I'm, it specifically I'm, about poor neighborhoods and basketball's reflection there? Is it about the path so it's, from home to pro? Is it about yeah, school? Like, what's the all of those things? Yeah. Okay. So it's about uh, a documentary that follows two prospects um, for five years. They filmed them for five years um, as they were rising as as prospects in high school. Um, And then, you know, kind of about the the college, um, you know, from high school to college and then... College to pro, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, the the sociologist in me wants Hoop Dreams. I just want to watch Hoop Dreams with Zeke, so... That's also my vote. Okay. So, Tim, thanks for being relevant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what, what, what would you have said? Yeah, well, I, I was thinking uh, he got game because that's actually a movie that I that I I've been aware of, mm-hmm. but never would actually like watch it on my own. But it was like okay, like I would like to see it. And I think if I remember correctly, that's the one that has a bunch of Aaron Copeland music in the mm-hmm. score. Um, so it was kind of, and I remember, I think we, we watched that scene like in a music history class. So I remember being like, oh yeah, this is like an actual movie, mm-hmm. you know, but it was music that wasn't like a score to that movie. Like for some reason it was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, kind of a statement on the kind of all American aspect of basketball or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I, re- I just remember always being like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, 
you know, again, not cool enough for it was like, I'm going to go rent it and watch it by myself. But it was like, oh, yeah, if it ever comes up. But, um, but yeah, I'm outnumbered, I'm so that's okay. Maybe Do, I, maybe does I that watch sway it. your, I mean, because I both are both fun to watch with I, me. But <laughs> I, I, I've been wanting to watch Hoop Dreams for a long time. Okay, cool. So. All right, Hoop Dreams it is. All right. All right. So to there the we people. go. A very long uh very long way to answer that, so I appreciate everyone for <laughs> tagging along with it. Hoop dreams. Hoop dreams. Looking forward to that Ooh, very much. Sure, you all are. <laughs> well, two of us just said they were. Everybody but Tim. <laughs> I think I might be sick next week. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you all for joining me once again. Uh, Joel, thank you for offering up your home for what is easily our most professional setup yet. I'm trying. Table and everything. I'm gonna drag us kicking and screaming into legitimacy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Tim, for the Matrix. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you, Zeke, for well, thank you for giving us responsibility, <laughs> but for the of vote course. and uh, yeah. listeners, thank you all for listening. We hope you'll be back next time. And until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. I like it. Bye. Hey listeners, we appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there. Be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. You can reach us all through our official NerdsLitGeek emails, which you can find on the bio page at NerdsLitGeek.com. If you want to find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at Scott underscore W underscore Murray, or on Twitter at Scott M N T G. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Joel T18. And I'm on Twitter at NerdsThatZeke. And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard. And on Twitter, I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more.